Hey everybody, Zach here. Before we get started with the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor, Anchor. We're new to podcasting here at Salty Saints, and Anchor has made it so easy for us to get started. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, so let me explain a little bit about it. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything that you need to make a podcast in one place. The best part about Anchor, though, is that it's absolutely free. So if you, like us, want to get your word out there, you want to try your hand at podcasting, make sure that you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. I am here joined by my friend Randy Spate once again. Uh, Randy just got a hold of me not too long ago talking about having a couple ideas for podcasts. And so I'm really excited and completely ill-prepared for whatever he has for me here. Yeah, uh, Zach. Um, you, you know, the, the concept that uh, we started in the first episode, the churchy words, that has just really, really got my attention. I have another churchy word for you today. What word do you have for me today? Well, it's the word righteousness, at least in English righteousness. That's a real churchy word. That's a word that you never hear outside of the church. That's fair. Yeah, I I can't think of anything off the top of my head, at least. You hear it's cognates uh, uh, being right, uh, not not in the sense of the opposite of left or even in the sense of the opposite of wrong, but doing what is morally correct, morally right. And that goes back to that word righteousness. Okay. Um so what I guess what kind of brought brought this up? Like what kind of Well, it's the fact that all of this started uh for me many many years ago, probably close to uh what would it be now 40 years at least. Um when I was learning Spanish and of course uh, being a missionary headed to Colombia, righteousness and uh loving the book of Romans that was one of the words that uh, I figured, okay, I better learn. And I was just absolutely amazed when I found out that in Spanish, the word for righteousness is justicia, which is the very same word for justice. Okay. So does that translate to other languages in the same way? It absolutely does. Same thing is true in French. Um, I'm not sure what other uh, romance languages it might be true in, but I suspect quite a few of them. But as I began to investigate, what I found out is it is actually true in Greek as well. And I dug a little bit deeper and found out that in Hebrew, the same thing is true. The word for righteousness and the word for justice is the very same thing in Hebrew and in Greek and actually in most other languages outside of English. Wow. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, that that's specifically 
interesting to hear that it's in Greek and Hebrew because those are the languages that we have original manuscripts of the Bible in. So, um, what uh, go go a little deeper on that yeah, connection? So, I guess so. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about righteousness, what I think about is uh, kind of a personal sense of right and wrong, right? I uh, when I think of righteousness, it's uh, all about: uh, Am I doing the right thing? Am I being a righteous person? And usually it implies, am I being a spiritual person? Am I being a, a, a good Jew or a good Christian? When I think about justice, at least in my mind, justice has a sense of what happens, <laughs> to, to put it in these terms, kind of outside the church, what happens in society. Justice, in my mind, has a little bit more of a sense of uh, what is fair and what is equitable. One of the things that kind of brought that to mind is the fact that today we're hearing uh, a lot of demonstrations in in the wake of um, uh, uh, things that have happened, uh, deaths and 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 murders. Uh, we're we're seeing demonstration and people demanding justice. So what, what what they're demanding is fair and equitable treatment. Uh, you don't see anybody out there shouting for righteousness. And yet it's the same word. Well, I, I think, I think it's kind of interesting. You, you brought up, um, that they're the same word, but also that like it, it, I don't think it's translated that way into English very well, because when I when I hear justice, I think of more of an action, and then righteousness or right, to be righteous, like that seems more like a state, like that something is in. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair evaluation. Uh, the word righteous uh, etymologically comes from old English words. Um, it's it's uh, centuries after scripture, uh, Greek and uh, Latin, one of the first languages that uh, uh, the Greek Bible was translated into, both use, well, Greek I've already mentioned, or, or maybe I haven't, the Greek word is dikaiosune, and uh, I want to come back to that in just a second to kind of look at its etymology. But in Latin, it's the word justitia, which, of course, we get justice straight out of the Latin. Well, righteousness comes straight out of Old English, which is the Old English translation for justice, or, or the Latin justitia. Dikaiosune, um, the Greek word, it develops from uh, the name of a goddess, a daughter of Zeus. Her name was Dike, and she was the goddess of moral order and fairness. Now, we've seen more statues of Dike in our society than any other Greek god. 
Okay, before we sat down here, you teased me with this one a little bit and said that we'd seen more statues of her. And then you told me you weren't going to tell me. But can I guess? Guess. It's Lady Justice. That is absolutely right. With the scales. It's Lady Justice with the scales that denotes fairness, always blindfolded, that denotes impartiality. Uh, so, and where do we see her? We see her on the top of legislative buildings, on the top of courts, because what do we want? We want impartial um, determinations of fairness. Isn't it funny, though, that we've uh, we've based our standard of justice on a pagan deity? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that not the most American thing you've ever heard? Like... We, yeah, we, yeah, we but, always drift back. You know, you know this is this is etymology. It's where it comes from. Right. What we do with it now, it's that's kind of our business. And and uh, um, it's interesting though. Uh, we we go back to uh, this this goddess who uh, is blindfolded, holding a scale in her hand, and what she is trying to say is that. I won't base my determination on anything that I see, on your gender, on the color of your skin, on uh, your race, on anything other than the fairness of the case that you present. So uh, it's a it's a great image and one that's very appropriate to be in our courts of law because we want that impartiality. We want that fairness okay. whenever we go to the court of law. I think that's fair. I, I think that that's actually a pretty, I mean, that's the Christian approach to justice. It's the case. It's, it's, it's what has actually taken place. So the question becomes, why righteousness? Why certain times is this word translated righteousness instead of just always translating it justice. And I can't speak for the translators, but I kind of get at what they're what they're trying to do. Anytime that this word dikaiusune has an application to my relationship with God, it is typically translated righteousness instead of justice. Okay, say say that one more time. So any time that the word is applied to my relationship with God, I should be just before God. Gotcha. It is typically translated righteous. Now, this is why the noun form is always righteousness. But when you look at the verb form, there is you, you, you can't do it in a verbal form. You can say make righteous, but it's much more common to use the word justify. Mm, Okay. So when we are justified, according to Scripture, what takes place at that point is God transmits to us his own righteousness. When he makes us righteous? When he makes us righteous, when he justifies us. What he is doing is actually making us righteous. So, oh man, not to get not to get off track, but is there a connection here between um, holiness and righteousness? 
Yeah, I think there is holiness is kind of, I don't know, in a sense, maybe the next step. Uh, Be- because holiness is always, to me, it's always seemed like it only comes from God. Like that is a thing that only yes. God can attribute onto yes. you. Yes. And so this, in a, in a similar sense, it seems like righteousness can, can really only come, only from, come God. from God. Yeah. Because uh, we've we've proven that we're incapable of living a righteous life. And that is true both in our relationship with God as well as in our relationship with others. Now, we tend to look at those horizontal relationships, our relationships with others, and we call that justice. So you get in the Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets saying, uh, have a just scale. Um, have a righteous scale. You know, it's it's really the same difference. What the prophets are trying to say is that uh, you stand before God when you weigh out uh, the amount of, of uh, barley that you're going to give this person mm-hmm. in exchange for whatever coin he's going to give you. So don't have a weight scale that weighs light so that he buys a pound and you're giving him 12 ounces and it looks like a pound. Uh, have a just scale, have a righteous scale. In the Old Testament prophets, they make the point that that is a measure before God as well as before the person that you're selling to. So before God, you are being righteous. Before your brother, you are being just. And it's all the same action. Okay. All right. That, yeah, you're kind of blowing my mind because, like, <laughs> I didn't know any of this. Um, the I'm, I'm familiar with the concept of the scales because that comes up a lot through uh, just prophetic books, it seems like. Um, Amos is the one that's coming to mind for me. Scales but, and measures, you know, right. that's huge because that was a way they would cheat people. They'd have a light scale. They'd, uh, they would have, you know, in that, in that uh, scale that tips in either direction. Uh-huh. Instead of a pound over here on this size, it would say a pound, but it only weigh 14 ounces. Right, right, right. And then, you know, you're giving them less. Or a measure. So they're buying a, a bushel of, of wheat, and you've got a measure that says a bushel, but it's actually seven-eighths of a bushel. That way, you know, you're, you're, you're able to trick them. You're cutting a few corners. To exactly. Make, make, keep a little extra coin. Exactly. Okay. Now— Zach, this is why, to me, it seems so um, – we, we were talking about this kind of the other day, and Jason used a great word, incongruous. It seems to me to be incongruous to have people demonstrating for justice and yet doing it in a way that vandalizes other people's property, that injures sometimes other people. Um, that is incongruous. Righteousness, behaving in a moral way, is the same thing as behaving justly. So how can I demand justice when I myself am not willing to act justly? Right, right. That that just to me seems completely inappropriate. It 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 detracts. I saw in the in the news last night, something that when I saw it, I looked at Linda and I said, that's beautiful. That's what, that's what we ought to be doing. It was, uh, 
in downtown Indianapolis, a group of African-American artists came together and they painted this beautiful mural that says Black Lives Matter. They put it, I think it's actually on a street instead of on a wall, but they have beautified the area instead of damaging it. Um, you know, if you're going to demonstrate it, do it in a way that puts your message out there, not in a way, not in a way that alienates and ostracizes people, but in a way that brings them in and says, this is about creativity. This is about um, understanding and communicating with each other. Right. Um, the, the other kind of side of that that I think has been so kind of screwed up and so warped from the actual view of what justice is, is there, there seem to be a lot of people that, that look at these police officers that have maybe uh, killed an African-American person or different forms of racism, what, whatever it be, um, nothing in particular, but it's almost like we deem them guilty before they're granted a fair trial. Yeah. And yeah. mob rule is not righteous. And uh, the goddess DK, uh, it's it's not a mob. <laughs> right, right. It's an individual blind and weighing out the fairness. So, so uh, you know, I, I uh, feel for those officers. I, I feel for uh, many of the demonstrators that I, that I believe were treated unfairly, uh, just kind of lumped in with other people. Right. I mean, because that, that is the thing. I don't, I don't want this to come across incorrectly. What I'm saying is if a person is guilty of a crime, then they should be punished for that crime. But it's not our job as the public to decide that. It's the job of a court. It is the job of what the Bible would say, two to three witnesses coming forward and saying this person is guilty. That is when that person is guilty. Absolutely. And in our case, it's it's uh, the courts. All of these things must go to court, and the court does need to rule impartially and fairly. I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, so, so Zach, I made reference uh, just a little bit ago to the uh, idea of justification, uh, the fact that uh, the verb form of the noun justice or righteousness is exclusively uh, the word justify. God justifies us. There is a great theological debate that's existed uh, probably for about the last 70 years, going back to the 50s. And it's the question of what God does for us when he justifies us. There are two kind of opposing or at least different approaches. One says that God treats us as righteous even when we're not. And I get that because part of what God does is he takes us as we are and he he gives us Christ's righteousness. We don't work for our salvation. Uh, we don't even work to maintain our salvation. It's salvation is exclusively from God. It's something that he gives us if we have faith in him. But the other side of that question is, is this only a legal fiction? And uh, one of the one of the most liberal scholars of the 20th century, Rudolf Bultmann, is the one that popularized that word, a legal fiction. 
And uh, he asked the question, is this exclusively a legal fiction or when God justifies us, does he actually make us righteous? Or to put it another way, when God justifies us, does he just treat us as if we were righteous? Or does he empower us to live a new life, a transformed life, a changed life, a life that is actually just? I think this is one of the most polarizing questions within the church. Um, This is something I've struggled with um, most of my life, I would say. (laughs) Like, I, I think this is the question a lot of people ask when they've screwed up. You know, am I am I saved? Am I truly saved? If I if I'm not perfect now, well then how am I righteous before God? And then yeah, that leads you to well then am I just counted as righteous or am I truly made new to be righteous? Like so let's let's deal with that. You you ask about uh, at least two different questions, maybe three. Let's deal with <laughs> probably the, more. So when a person sins, uh, they have come to the Lord. They're trying to follow the Lord, and they mess up. They might mess up a little, or they might mess up a lot. And uh, you know, we all have seen both. We've seen people that that make little mistakes. And then we've seen people that we say, oh, my gosh, how, what were they thinking? How could they ever do that? Are they still saved? Salvation does not depend on our works. It didn't depend on our works to get our feet in the door, and it doesn't depend on our works to keep our feet in the door. New Testament is very, very clear on that. Salvation is a gift that God gives us. Salvation depends exclusively on two things, God's grace and our faith. Somehow God chooses us and we choose him, and salvation happens in the middle. Does God ever screw up? Absolutely not. Do we ever screw up? Absolutely yes. (laughs) The question is not if, but when. (laughs) Right, right. So when we screw up, does God say, okay, that's it. You had your shot. You blew it. You know, you're out. No, he doesn't do that. God continues to bring us along in that relationship. But let's go to the second question, and that is, so is all of this just fiction? Is all of this just religious fiction? that God treats us as if we were righteous, knowing that we're not and knowing that we never will be and not really caring. Yes, God cares. God wants us to live a better life. God empowers us to live a better life. The justification, which actually... I mentioned righteousness is the old English word. There was a verb that used the cognate right. They called it right-wising, and I kind of like that. Uh, When God right-wises us, part of what he does is he attributes Christ's righteousness to us. Christ's justice becomes ours, and in a very real sense, God when he looks at us, 
He sees his son's righteousness, not our sin. But in another sense, when God gives us Christ's righteousness, that righteousness begins to work in our own lives. Uh, Back when I was a, a young Christian, I heard somebody one time say something that made a whole lot of sense to me back then. They said the most miserable person in the world is not the person without Christ. They're living in ignorance. They don't know. They're just kind of going on, living their life. However, the most miserable person in the world is the Christian who is not living like God wants him to live, and he knows it. (laughs) And that made a lot of sense because that was me. (laughs) Right. I knew what God wanted me to do. I just wasn't able to find how to go about living that way. And it really hurt because God puts in us his Holy Spirit and uh, we have something called a conscience. And when we, when we make a mistake, our conscience kind of digs at us. I, so in, in a similar way that death was a mercy from God, it's almost like misery for the Christian is a mercy from God that he wouldn't let us live in ignorance and it's, it's difficult and it hurts, but that's because it's changing you and that's it's right. making you better. That's right. The same way that the fear of death should lead us back to God. It's, it's kind of like going to a doctor who says you've got to have surgery. The surgery is so intensely painful that they have to knock you out to do it. And even afterwards you live in pain but it was necessary. Right. They had to excise something, the infected part or the damaged part of your body. They had to take that out so that you could become whole. That's kind of what God does. So, Zach, um, you know, there are a lot of passages, and, and we could go through and look at the New Testament, everything that it says about righteousness, everything that it says about justice, and... Um, most of what it says about righteousness would would cause us to kind of move into a salvation message, you know, be right-wised by God, be right. be made uh, righteous, accept his justification. That wasn't really my point here. My point was to, to illustrate the similarity between, uh, actually more than similarity, the continuity between personal righteousness, morality, my sense of right and wrong, and justice, what happens in society. What I do out there expresses my righteousness. Okay. So we we should be more mindful of the way that we carry ourselves because that also shows how we think about justice. Absolutely. For example, there is no place for racism in the Christian life. The the partiality just goes against everything that scripture says. Well, <laughs> that that whole just getting into the science of the way that race even developed is I mean, we we 
people with darker skin generally live in hotter climates where it would be more cooling to have that type of skin. People with fair skin generally originated from places where it wasn't very hot. And then you would, you know, it's, it's clearly just a trait that has been adapted through time to help us live where we're at, you know? And, and we've turned, uh, well, certain people have turned it into me versus you. Well, yeah, I think we can say that our culture has done that. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> we should be battling that. We should be. Wherever we can. Uh, b- because it's just wrong. It's wrong at a personal level and it's wrong at a social level. Now, how we go about doing that, I love not, not so much the concept of going out and demonstrating. I understand that those uh, who are appropriately demonstrating are just saying, you got to hear the message, you got to listen to me. But I love it when you see people actually going out and doing something. Um, we, we have a, a group of African refugees that uh, attend here New Hope Church. Uh, right now, about 20% of our Sunday morning attendance is uh, black. I wouldn't say African-American because they're not American. They are Africans. Right. Um, go out and get engaged with them. Find out uh, how they live, what they need. Help them be involved uh, Make a friend. You know, those are things that every single one of us can do. We can combat racism by going out and demonstrating and and shouting about it. Or we can combat racism by making a new friend and sitting down with someone and say, how can I help you? How can you teach me? I agree completely. Um Another another kind of area of this whole conversation of righteousness and justice is social media is so awful today. Both sides. I sit there and I look at my ultra left-wing friends and I'm like, nope. And I look at my ultra right-wing friends and I'm like, nope. You know, like we, we're all just sharing so much information that we don't even know if it's accurate or not. And we just share it like crazy to to try and argue with people. And it's like if we just got off of Facebook and went <laughs> and actually talked to real human beings, we would get so much more done than just starting fights on the Internet. Absolutely. And so as Christians, we cannot we cannot partake in that kind of behavior. We are not doing things right in that. And that's my one little chastising comment of the day. <laughs> and believe you me, I used to do it all the time. So I'm allowed to sit here and say that I was wrong. <laughs> it is it is super easy to do because you sit behind a computer screen and you are anonymous. Right. Uh, you, you don't see the hurt in the other person's eyes. You become a keyboard when they warrior. Read. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're sitting face to face with somebody and say something like you might write on social media – and you see the pain that goes through their eyes, you say, oh, gee, many, I didn't mean it that way. Right. I, I overstated my case. I'm sorry. But you don't get that privilege on social media. It's just out there. Right. So no matter where you stand on everything that's happening right now, as Christians, we should have a focus on justice and on truth 
and on being righteous, doing things the biblical way. Let what you do out there bubble over from what Jesus has done in here, in your heart. Right. Because when we don't look that way, we also become, when we don't look kind, when we don't look loving, we also become unapproachable. <laughs> That's right. And that is not beneficial to the kingdom. Like no, we have to, we have to be the kind of people that people aren't afraid to talk to. Jesus, nobody was afraid to talk to Jesus. They might have hated what he said, but it always came from a place of love, and he was always kind. He was all I mean, I don't want to say kind. To you. Sir, <laughs> that's kind of a he, tricky one. He was not – yeah, I was going to say he was not inappropriate. I, no, I think I can say that. He was not inappropriate. The people that he called out needed to be called there, out. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But it, it came from a place of care and love and not hate. And it is very easy to tell when something comes from a place of hate. That's from a right. Person. Uh, when he spoke, it was from a desire for true transformation. And that has to be what motivates us as well. Exactly. I think that nails it. As much as it can be nailed, Zach. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look, there, there's very few things we're going to talk about on this podcast that that we're just going to 100% nail down for you. But I hope we get you thinking. Uh, I know that this was, uh, this was fun for me. I, I learned quite a bit here. Um, for having no idea what we were going to be talking about. So I love that churchy word, <laughs> righteous. It's a good one. It's a good one. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed um, learning about righteousness and justice and what those things mean. And uh, we just uh, hope that you will take this information and go be salt and light to the community around you. Stay salty. God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.